Hey there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 46 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today we have uh, the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Kyle D. Roberts to have a fascinating discussion on his book, The Secret to Prayer, um, 31 Days to a More Intimate Relationship with God. We have uh, just a phenomenal time just learning um, from Kyle. We talk about uh, the, the praying from a humble heart and why a humble heart is important in our prayer life. We talk, we talk about um, confession. Sometimes we don't necessarily talk about that in the evangelical world, the idea of confession, but he talks about confessing um, to God and then confessing um, to others. We talk. He shares about the lessons we can learn from James and what James teaches, the book of James teaches about prayer. And I just had a fun uh, time with him, um, also discussed about persistence in prayer and uh, the challenge of unanswered prayers. And uh, Kyle's someone I, I think if I ever get out to his part of Arizona, someone I would love to sit down and have a, a meal with. Um, just uh, a great communicator and uh, just insightful and just uh, fun to be around and really enjoyed Kyle and uh, him being on the podcast with us today. I do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and uh, answer listeners' questions. And do want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which would be Wes and Peggy Reed, Partners in Life and Mission. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with my new friend, Kyle D. Roberts. I hope I said his last name correctly. And uh, so excited to spend some time with him and learn from him today. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Aaron. Kyle, would you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself for the listeners um, that are listening in today? Yeah, you know, um, personally, I uh, coming up on twelve years of marriage. Uh, my wife's name is uh, Lolly; it's her nickname, so her real name is Alana, uh, but we call her Lolly. And uh, so, yeah, one wife, just two names, and um, <laughs> we've been, been married for twelve years. Where we have three children, three boys: Caden, um, Oliver, and Carson. Caden uh, is seven, Oliver is five, and um, and Carson Carzy, he's nine months old. So wow. it is a it's a busy house, it's a busy season of life, but it's the oh, best sure. season of life. It's oh, uh, sure. yeah, between practices and games and and a little nine month old uh, cruising around. So it's <laughs> it's it's busy, but that's kind of that's the personal life and uh, work life is. Um, I'm at Arizona Christian University in Glendale, okay. Arizona. I'm the department chair of their Bible and theology department, as well as, you know, teaching theology, um, whenever possible. And, uh, and then I get to, and then I get to write and I get to, um, put my thoughts, uh, down in that form as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful. Awesome. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today is, um, your book, the secret of prayer. Um, we just share a little bit about, um, you know, what you learned about yourself. I think sometimes writing a book, you learn a lot about yourself and maybe something you learned about yourself in writing the book and, um, yeah. And how it relates to your, your prayer life. Yeah. You know, Aaron, it's, there, there was a, um, there was a quote I can't, I was working on something else. I was working on a different project and I came across this quote by Andrew Murray. This quote from Andrew Murray said this. It said, the secret of secrets, humility is the soul of true prayer. Hmm. And when I read this quote, I, it just, uh, the hair stood up on my arms. Like I just knew me and you are going to interact at some point in time. And, yeah. and so once I finished up some of these other projects, I, I immediately returned to that quote. And, and it was for me personally, 
I'm okay with sharing details, but for maybe for the sake of others involved, there's just a lot of things going on in life. Yeah. Um, and just a lot. And, and so what do you do in those moments? Just like, you know, uh, your audience and, and missionaries all over the world getting to listen in. I mean, we, we pray. Yeah. And, and so it was this really sweet time in which God just began to develop my understanding of prayer and really stripping away, you know, I deal in the academic world, right? So it, God was stripping away the complexities say mm-hmm. of prayer it doesn't mean that it's not complex and it's not abstract still, right. but in terms of theologically, what God was really interested in as it relates to prayer was the condition of my heart. It wasn't my words. It wasn't my, my, my mannerisms. Um, but it was, it was the heart, which was the wordsmith producing these words that I would pray. Yeah. And, and so that, that really became transform transformational in my own life, not only as things that I was going through, but then just changing my theology going forward. Yeah. And so you talked about a humble heart. What are some barriers, maybe common barriers that you might say, you said you're a professor, you're, you're teaching theology. What are some barriers in, in the Christian life, maybe to, to having a humble heart and um, how that affects our prayer life? Yeah. You know, so I'm in the United States, so I'm living's easy, right? I mean, we're, we, we, we there, I mean, yeah. What would we say? The first world problems. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think a part of this and listen, I, I love where I live, so you got to hear this the right way, but I, I do think that there's, there's, there's aspects in which the American dream mm-hmm. ends up presenting some barriers as it relates to prayer, because I mean, hmm. really you've made it. If you're self-sufficient, you've made it. If your kids don't have to worry, you've made it. If, uh, your family doesn't have to worry about food and shelter and home and all of these types of things. And so the more self-sufficient you get, the more fulfilling it is where I live. Yeah, it's good. And, and as it relates to prayer, this almost is completely counterintuitive to what God demands of us in prayer, that we come to him utterly dependent, that we are, we are, we are in need because we can't provide. And, and so, f- so for, for my context, um, there, there's great barriers to prayer because yeah, the, the, the great ones amongst us as it relates to prayer, aren't the ones that have it all together and that are self-sufficient, but it's the ones that are meek and lowly and humble. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's these good. are, the, these are mighty prayers. Yeah, that's good. That's a good word. Good word. You share one of the quotes um, I highlighted. You said weakness sustains the heart of the Christian in a humble position before the Lord, then provides sacred space for the spirit to help. Can you just unpack that was that was when uh you know I was reading this on a on a plane ride back from the United States and that was one that um I highlighted and came back to mm. back that this that that um yeah that quote for me. Yeah, and then I want to hear what hear how it resonated with you after. But it's uh it's weakness weakness in the Christian life uh is actually used by God uh to do great and powerful and strong things. Hmm. And, and the more in which we can find ourselves in that posture and it, and it, it requires humility to sit with the Lord in weakness, just mm. like it takes, it takes great humility and strength and courage uh, to sit in weakness with your spouse and with your kids and with those that you're ministering to. And, and so God is, God is relationally as, as he relates to us, I think that he desires deeply that we come to him, not just in our strength moments, but in our weakest moments. And then from that, uh, he's able to then use that to not only develop me in great ways, but then to develop those that I'm called to minister to in great ways. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So how did it resonate with you? 
Well, I think it's, you know, for me, serving on serving on the field, uh, I came with some idea that it was going to be my strengths. And in my time, the strengths would be my the most uh, impactful times of ministry. And somehow, you know, obviously I had a skewed um, sense of self. But as I look back, it has been the times when I've been sick with malaria or struggling, or there was nothing that I could do on my own strength, that I was humbled. And then just to see that God was there to help. God was there to, to mold and shape me and the lessons I learned in that process personally, and then the dependence I had on him. And um, I think I came to the field, my first, our first term was in Burkina Faso. I came as thinking I was a very independent person. Um, and it didn't take very long for me to <laughs> realize how dependent I was on him. And, and it mm-hmm. took those weak times. It take, it took those times of, of weakness um, for me to realize just how dependent I was on him for the basics yeah. of life for the basics of life so anyway that's love that. that's that's where that's where i was at and just uh going down memory lane and um and in the transition honestly we've just been through a transition here to nairobi and um you know uh, transitions are humbling and uh and you feel weak because you don't know much and so in that process it's been it's been i've had some very sweet times um with jesus um during this these times of transition so yeah that's that's how it spoke to me that's great yeah, and it's yeah, good. You share um that um confession um is one of the intimate most intimate forms of prayer. Can you unpack what you mean by confession and and how is that an intimate um intimate form of prayer? Yeah, so being a Protestant, um you know, confession has certain connotations to it. Yeah, and that's that's where I was yeah, and 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 I want to I I, not only do I want to, I feel as though it's necessary. Like I need to break down those mm-hmm. cultural perceptions of confession mm-hmm. um, to truly get you to embrace not only the humility of your heart, but also the nearness as it relates to your relationship with God. And so what I think confession does is it provides the space. I even kind of like provocatively, I think, titled that section of the book, you know, sin makes you holy. Yeah. Um, because there's really two ways that you achieve righteousness. One is through an obedient life, you know, good luck. I'll be praying for you. And then, and then, and then you can achieve um, righteousness though um, through sin in yeah. a, a, a miraculous way by God's grace. Um, as we can confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and then to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, thereby restoring us back to the light. And there are so many Christians, I think, and me being one of them. And so I, I can kind of speak from this personally. Where, where there once was a an idea in which my my closeness to God was dependent upon my own self-made righteousness, meaning that the obedient life that I lived, the, the good life that I lived, the good morals and ethics that I live by. And and not to say that those things are are wrong, but it's just not tenable. Hmm. It's just it's just not tenable. And that's why I love first John one eight and I love first John one ten because both kind of confront you with the reality that I John's getting us to admit, hey, you're a sinner. Admit yeah. it. And if you're not, you're <laughs> fooling yourself, right? You're only lying to yourself. And so, but but it takes humility to admit you're a sinner. Yeah. And even in the book, I kind of play around with that idea to where, you know, it's like like we're comfortable with saying, you know what, I'm not perfect. Because that leaves room for you to admit that you're that you're still good though, but I'm just yeah. not perfect. Yeah. And I'm trying to say, hey, let's. What if we just not? What if we admitted we're not even good either? Hmm. You know, what what would that do? And I'm only because I'm messing around internally with that emotion of, 
of, of why that feels so uncomfortable because yeah. as Christians, right. We, we have a problem with the idea that we're not, we're not achieving something. Yeah. And I think what God is really ultimately saying is, is, Hey, um, admit that you're a sinner. Once you get to that point, now begin to confess your sin. And by the way, I'm going to forgive you when you confess your sin to me. And I'm going to cleanse you of that unrighteousness. The only way in which confession, I think would not be the most intimate, um, thing that we do with God relationally is if we were in left in doubt as to whether God would forgive us or not. Hmm. Like, I'll give you that. If, if, if we prayed to God and confess our sin and there was always that reality, where we're like, well, maybe he'll, maybe he'll forgive us. I hope he forgives us. Hmm. That would be a very scary thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that would be, yeah, that would just be a very scary reality. But for us, thankfully the promise, like the, if in first John one, nine, the, if is related to us, it's not to God right? Wow. If we confess our sins, yeah. uh, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And so really the only sin in which God cannot forgive is the sin, which is left unconfessed. Hmm. And so confess your sins. And as you do, you're actually drawn closer. Um, you're cl drawn closer to God as a result of it. I, I love Augustine in this. He writes this little tiny book called Confessions. It's not little and it's not tiny, but he writes this huge book <laughs> called Confessions. But in that book, he basically concludes that he's never felt closer to God than in those moments in which he was confessing his sins because hmm. the Lord was drawing him back. The, the Lord was drawing him near to himself as a result of that humility of the heart. Hmm. It's good. It's a good, 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 good word. I remember when we were in Burkina Faso, you know, I, we were struggling, I, sh I shared. And um, I remember, remember one of the um, Burkina Bay pastors coming to me and he said, Aaron, you know, at this present time, you're struggling. But he said, you're, you're close to you're close to the father's heart and um, you recognize mm -hmm. how much you need him. And, and he said, cherish these times, because um, just like an arrow, he said, you know, when when uh, the the archer takes out an arrow and he shoots the arrow, you know, it's going a distant, it's going away from the, away from the archer. He said, but right now he has you and, and, and enjoy these times. He said, even though you feel weak, he said, you know, you're close to the father's heart. Something I remember, I remember, I remember just like it was yesterday. Um, but in yeah. that, in that same, um, that same, that same vein, you talk, um, you share about the book of James and, um, and what we can learn from the book of James when it comes to, to prayer. Can you, can you share a few lessons you've learned? from the book of James? Yeah. So James is, you know, the little brother of Jesus. This is an interesting, you know, letter because he and James, as it relates, I think really, honestly, if you want to just from a, you know, wherever you're at in the world, sit down, read James, but read it through the lens of prayer. And, and you come mm -hmm. to find out that James was, it's just riddled with, with relevancy and truth concerning what it means to pray. And, and James actually, Eusebius, um, historian, he, he actually, um, he notes that and describes James's prayer life <laughs> as he's recording history. And he described uh, James's knees as that as a camel, like they were, because wow. they were so callous because he yeah. would continually go into the temple and he would confess sin to <laughs> God and to confess the sin of the people to God. Hmm. And so you have this whole context of prayer that's just steeped in James. And then you get to the end of James though, and he talks about confessing your sins to one another. Hmm. And, and this was interesting to me because it came right after the study in first John, where John says, confess your sins to God. So right. I've got one apostle telling me, confess your sins to God. Another telling me, confess your sins um, to one another. 
And to be honest with you, I like John's option way better because uh, I don't want to tell you my sin, Aaron, right? But, but I came to learn that James and John were essentially saying the same thing, hmm. but they're just getting there two different ways. And so when you, when you think of this idea of confessing your sins to one another, he here's what I think James has in mind. Because righteousness is still achieved either through obedience hmm. or through confessing your sin. And as you hmm. confess your sin, you're made righteous because you're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. First John hmm. one, nine tells us, right? So that is still, that still is, is the standard, but then you go back to, to James five sixteen and talking about this, confessing your sins to one another. And here's what I think James is doing. I think James is saying, Hey, you're not like my big brother. You don't know the heart of man and woman. So you don't hmm. know who has confessed their sins and who hasn't. Hmm. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to who in your community is confessing their sin to one another, because James has a suspicion that if you're willing to confess your sin to another human being, that likely means that you've confessed that sin already to God, wow. thereby being forgiven, thereby being cleansed of unrighteousness, thereby being made righteous. And according to James, now you possess the prayer of faith, which are powerful in their working. Hmm. But it's all starting from what we can see as human beings. Hey, pay attention to those who are confessing their sins to one another. Similarly, though, James is suspicious of those that are unwilling to confess their sin to one another, not because, right, this is just something you do as Christians, but because James is suspicious that you probably haven't confessed a sin to God because yeah. you're more afraid of this human being than you are of God right now. Like what, what's going on? Right. Because if you've been forgiven by God, then I don't, what are you going to do to me, Aaron? Right. 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 What am I going to do to you? Like right. The, so, so that, that apprehension on our behalf to not confess our sins to one another cues J James in on, maybe they haven't confessed their sin to God. Now, if they haven't confessed their sin to God, that means that that unrighteousness still, still remains, hmm. which means that they're walking in the darkness, which means their prayers aren't as powerful um, as they could be. Yeah. And so for James, yeah, this whole, and that, that comes at the tail end of the letter. And so there's this kind of this, this moment at the very, very end um, where he's, he's appealing to us. He wants the people, he wants the community to possess powerful prayers. He says, well, this is how you do it right? You confess your sins to one another. Wow. And so barriers when it comes to that, I mean, just in, you're a professor and, and ministry, what are some barriers that we don't, we, we don't want to confess our sins to each other? I, I know we obviously live in a world where it's Facebook and um, social media happy, where our lives are supposed to be perfect and, and everything's awesome. But are, are there some common barriers that you've seen that we don't, why we don't want to confess our sins to, to one another? Yeah, you know, and and this is where I wish I could just speak to your audience because as they're all over the globe and and doing ministry in all these different contexts, um, you know, I would say in my context, one of these barriers is is the church is not a place which promotes weakness or provides the necessary space for weakness. Wow, and and as a result of that. And, and by the way, this trickles on down from the top, hmm. right? So your, your, your people will only be as vulnerable as your senior pastor is, or your lead pastor that. is. Yeah. And yeah, right. And, and same in the mission field, right? The people that you're ministering to will only be as authentic as you are to them. Yeah. And, and so, so as Christians, some, somewhere along the line, when we become 
a believer, when, when we experience conversion and regeneration, it's like we, we feel as though going forward um, that it's it's like sacrilegious for us to continue on and sin or something. Hmm. And so and so we, we just don't have that space to be to be sinners, to be imperfect, to 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 just this this is still a part of inherent to our nature, this sin nature. Um, going forward until Jesus returns. And so I think that ends up forming the greatest barrier for this, this fake facade. Hmm. Um, you know, we, like it became a big word not too long ago, like authenticity, right? We demand authenticity right. as Christians. Well, really all that meant was, is we just learned how to authentically lie to one another, you know, <laughs> and it's, that's, that that's, it's a shame, but that affects our prayers. Oh, that affects our sure. prayer life. For sure. So yeah, when I'm in the hospital or when I'm sick, um, yeah, I, I want that person to come pray for me that I know confesses their sin, right? That mm. I know um, confesses their sin to one another because their prayers, according to James, are more powerful than the person that just got it all together. The perfect marriage, perfect life, perfect kids, wow. perfect church attendance. Um, that's that that's great, but that I'll have someone else come pray for me. And, and I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not going to deny prayer, but I'm, 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 I'm making my point, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 I get your point, but that's, it's such a counter cultural. It's a, it's a shift in paradigm of, of way of thinking. And I think that's why it stuck out to me as I read it. Um, it's a shift in the, you know, the mind, a mindset that it, it seems to be common in the church today. Would you agree with mm-hmm. that? Absolutely. And that's, and I think that's part of, you know, if, if, if my book does, I have a couple of different goals for it, but, but I hope that the reader um, enjoys uh, some occasional paradigm shifts here or there. And I think healthy ways and appropriate ways, like ways that free you, not, not, not constrict you as it, as it stands with your relationship with God. For sure. For sure. You talk about um, persistence in prayer. Um, and what are some reasons uh, that we, it, persistence in prayer is important. I mean, you took, you took some time to, to write about it. So why'd you include that in there? You know, I, I included it in there because there was actually, it was a story from Luke 18. And when I came across it, I was just, I was blown away with how graphic Jesus's description of how he wanted us to pray hmm. persistently. I mean, he starts off Luke 18, one he's he's basically saying, I'm going to teach you how you ought always to pray and never lose heart. Hmm. And then, and then he, and then he goes into this parable with this, with this widow um, demanding justice against um, her adversary to this judge, to this unrighteous judge. And, and in this story, it describes the judge finally giving way after this persistency by this widow, finally giving her justice because of her continual um, beating me down with her continual coming yeah. Right. Uh, the ESV says, and, and when I, when I did a word search on this, um, this beat down, it, it's like, it's graphic boxing language. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even like into boxing, but it was a graphic boxing language where essentially the judge was saying, I've taken one too many blows below the eye, yeah. like take your justice and leave. Like I'm done. <laughs> like, this is not fun anymore. And so, and Jesus turns around and says, if this unrighteous judge did this, well, how much more am I, how much more Hmm. is the father going to want to answer your prayers when he is good and just. And, and so what Jesus does, I think, is he portrays that, that he wants us in prayer to pray for a lot of different things, but he also wants us to pray for that one thing a lot as well. And, and, and I, 
for me, if I'm thinking of the context of, of many of your audiences, these missionaries all over the globe, if, if they're listening to this, I mean, sure. Yeah. They're praying for all kinds of things. Um, but that one thing, that one thing that hasn't been answered yet, that one thing that you're still waiting on, keep praying, hmm. like just, just keep praying. And, and I think over time, God won't change because we know that God does not change. That's yeah. it's just part of his character. So God's not going to change, but you know what, over time, maybe you'll change. Maybe he will answer your prayer. Maybe he'll answer it in a way in which you never thought possible. And so what I don't want you to miss out on, though, is the precious moments with the Lord and in in the persistency. Like I I use Luke. I am sorry, not Luke. I use Jeremiah 18 as an example. It is not about prayer. So I understand this. Um, It's not about prayer, but I read it prayerfully. Because, right, so Jeremiah is told to go down to the potter's house. He gets to the potter's house. He watches the potter about to throw out this unworkable lump of clay. But yet, due to the malleable nature of this lump of clay, the potter was able to refashion it into just the right vessel to receive, hmm. right, yeah. um, it, its its purpose. Yeah. And, and so when I began to read that, I began to think of re- repetitive prayer in Luke 18. And I began to think, man, can you imagine if I prayed once and just gave up? I mean, that was basically be like one spin of the potter's wheel hmm. and, or, or maybe after three or four times. Well, that's three or four spins of the potter's wheel. What, what's he able to make with that? But really, if we keep praying, right, that repetitive nature, that repetitive spinning of that wheel, it fashions me into just the right vessel to receive God's answer at his wow. appropriate time. Wow. Wow. That's good. Good word. And um, yeah, I think this, this idea, I can't represent everyone. These, these struggles with unanswered prayer, obviously majority of the people listening in they're they're sharing the message of Jesus Christ, wherever they're at. And um, sometimes it can, it can get discouraging. And um, that idea of uh, being encouraged and uh, any, anything else as far as to encourage maybe somebody that's, that's had this unanswered prayer, maybe it's an unsaved loved one. Maybe it's a parent listening in that they're on the field and their, their son or daughter's back in their home country and they're, they're mm-hmm. not serving Jesus, or maybe it's a, a sickness or, or something like that. Any other encouragement you might have for, for somebody struggling with an unanswered prayer? Yeah. W- w- one is just the reminder that, um, one of our clearest examples of unanswered prayer is, is through the life of Jesus as he Mm -hmm. prays in the garden and, and his answer, which he prayed repetitively, by the way, uh, for that single thing that cup to pass him. And the answer was no. Hmm. So if there's anybody that can sympathize with a no, it's, it is Christ. Hmm. That's one. With that said, until it is no longer feasibly possible for that prayer to be answered, I would encourage you to continue to pray. Wow. One thing that I've learned about unanswered prayer is that much unanswered prayer is declared unanswered prematurely by the one praying hmm. because what they've done is they've decided to label it unanswered because it didn't happen within their time frame or by the means that they thought necessary or acceptable or, or what's best. It wasn't their wisdom in which God took into account to answer that prayer. And so they've just perceived it to be unanswered. When all the while, I think what God was most interested in uh, was the humility of our hearts just to wait, to be patient and to persistently pray, to pray for lots of things, to pray for that one thing. uh, And that in the Lord's timing, um, he will, he'll answer it and and through the means that he so chooses. And so humble people don't wait for just one answer to prayer, but they're in an, they're, they're in this posture in which they're wondering what could it be? 
How might God answer this prayer? And, and so you just, you just wait and you wait and you continue to pray and you don't, you don't lose heart, even though it is disheartening uh, as we wait. Wow. That's challenging. Uh, our label or how we label unanswered prayer and doing that prematurely. Um, I never really considered that. And uh, I appreciate, appreciate the challenge, the challenge mm-hmm. on that. Kyle, what is one question you thought you wish I would have asked or a question you thought, man, he should have asked this today. And, and I didn't. Is there one question you thought that I, I should have asked today? No, I just thought you'd, I thought you'd give me a harder time for my parenting style. As I wrote in this book, um, no one has asked me yet about the moment in which my son called me a loser. Uh, he was just a little guy, so he had no idea what he was saying, but, um, uh, so there's, there was, uh, but yeah, no, no one's quite asked me that one yet, but well, share, share um, the story, the, share the story for us. Yeah, we were just, we were, we, we were, we were sit we were in the kitchen and Lolly was preparing, um, lunch for the kids. And Caden, who still to this day loves sports, he kept kicking this ball towards me and Lolly and I were talking. And, um, and so I was kind of like kicking it kind of off to the side and, you know, kind of back and forth to him. And then Lolly and I's conversation got more serious. So I just kind of stopped kicking it. Yeah. And all of a sudden Caden goes, you loser. (laughs) And I said, what, what did he just say? And so Lolly and I just reeled. Uh, just, I mean, he went to timeout and we were figuring out all of parenting and about, you know, whenever that timer was going to go off and, and it was just this, yeah, it was a, it was a fun moment that Lolly and I look back on. And and so in the book, you know, you'll have to read it, but in the book, I, 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 I actually find a way to tie that into prayer. Yeah, um, sure. And so, uh, so yeah, that's, that, that, that was a fun moment. Good deal. Good deal. Well, Kyle, it has been awesome to spend some time with you and uh, appreciate your, um, yeah, I appreciate your your wisdom and insight you provided in this book. Will you just take a, a minute or two and, and pray for the audience that listen, that's listening in? And um, we'll put the links to your book in the, the show notes, and um, that'll be there for those who would want to access it. And um, the digital link probably going to be the easiest for around the world. Getting uh, hard copies is kind of hard, but um, we can all get digital copies um, today. But will you pray for us and um, pray um, whatever way you feel that, that God's directing you? Yeah. Um, God, I love you. And, uh, and we love you. And, uh, and this audience uh, loves you. And uh, we're just thankful. Thankful that you use uh, sinners like us to advance your kingdom quite literally all over uh, the globe. And so as we just, uh, as we gather together, even with this podcast, and as we, as we, we join together uh, remotely and, and digitally uh, through technology, we just give you praise and honor and glory for that. And we're so thankful um, spirit, we just pray that you would just unify us, uh, coming from all different kinds of traditions, and yet we're unified in in, in pushing your gospel forward and 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 pushing um, the gospel of Jesus forward. And so, um, yeah, I just I pray pray for these 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 workers in the field. I uh, pray for their families uh, at home. Uh, I pray that you would uh, encourage them. I pray that you would, um, yes, challenge them, but but encourage them, protect them from the evil one. Um, that will seek to devour them. Uh, and, and this time, there's never been such a time as this uh, for, your, for your gospel, Jesus, just to spread. And so I just pray, pray that um, this audience, um, I don't know what expectations they have in ministry. Uh, I don't. Um, but whatever those expectations are, I, I pray that you would far, far exceed them. I pray that you would give them abilities just to dream, to dream ministry, to dream uh, the proclamation of the gospel and, and what that might look like and how that might take place. 
Um, and, and two, um, for those, for those out there in the field, um, with, with family at home, maybe even some family that doesn't believe in you, Jesus, uh, we just pray for their salvation. Uh, we pray, um, that the testimony of their family, uh, might, uh, might actually begin the process and, and already has begun the process of, of challenging their, their perception and their, their worldview and, and, and what it means to be alive and, and what it means to die and, and, and the potential of, of living once again in your resurrection, Jesus. And so I just pray, I pray that, uh, I, I pray that these families, um, that they would be, yes, united now, uh, but that united, uh, into an eternity as well. And so, um, Jesus, we just thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And, and thanks for Aaron and thanks for his heart uh, and, and this ministry and this podcast. And, uh, and so we just, we just put this all, all at your feet. And so we just praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.